You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 177. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Wanda M. Morris, who is a corporate attorney who has worked in the legal department for several Fortune 100 companies. She's an alumna of the Yale Writers Workshop, Robert McKee's Story Seminar, and is a member of Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, and Crime Writers of Color. She lives with her family in Atlanta, Georgia. All Her Little Secrets is her debut novel, which was published on November 2nd. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to uh, tell you about the sponsor of this episode of the podcast, which is uh, Brain FM. I'm really excited to tell you about Brain FM. They provide music that's designed for the brain to improve your focus, meditation, relaxation, even for naps and sleep within minutes. Uh, so you're not going to hear the latest uh, hits that's going to distract you on Brain FM. Instead, they use a science-first approach to create music that sounds different and affects your brain differently than any other music uh, by using this patent technology that makes their music unique. It's uh, purpose-built to steer you into a desired mental state, like, for example, to focus. And that's what I use it uh, mostly for myself, is to focus on my writing. Uh, This technology was developed by neuroscientists, uh, so it's uh, pretty heady stuff here, but the bottom line is that it works. And if it sounds like a little weird, uh, well, uh, it did to me at first, too. But there was a lot of buzz in the writing community about uh, Brain FM. I kept hearing uh, writers using it to improve their writing and to help them focus. And then my wife started to use it. And she's not a writer. She's an accountant. But she was started using it for her work. And she was uh, raving about how great it was. So I gave it a shot. And, uh, and right away, I started seeing a difference, how Brain FM was helping me focus uh, on it with when it came to my uh, writing time. So I'm excited to share this uh, special offer with you uh, for Brain FM. If you go to thrillingreads.com forward slash brain, you can uh, learn more about it. You can hear Brain FM in action. And if you use the promo code thrilling hyphen reads, you'll get a 20% discount coupon when you subscribe. So check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash brain. Okay, here is my interview with Wanda M. Morris. Welcome to the podcast, Wanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I have to ask, because you have a lot of experience in the as a in the legal field, did you always want to write fiction and thrillers while you were working as a lawyer? Oh wow. Um, I've always wanted to write. I've always loved to write. Didn't know until uh, much later in my career that I wanted to write fiction, that I wanted to write books. And then when it hit me. Um, it was kind of like a shot. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool to do. Of course, I knew absolutely nothing about writing a book. And it showed from my very first draft. <laughs> so. But did, did, it, did it help with you? Because I'm, I'm assuming as, a, as an attorney, you probably had a lot of experience writing like legal stuff. So that, do you find that it helped at all? Or is that just two different worlds? <laughs> Well, yeah, writing a novel and writing, um, say, for example, legal briefs are two very different things. You know, there is some of the habits that I developed as a lawyer I brought over um, to my writing. And that's things like writing on a deadline, having to to work in a crunch. Um, I think that helped me a lot. But just the idea of creating original stories. Yeah, that 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 was kind of different. Um, but I think the difference is that, you know, as a novelist, you get to 
create your own facts and create your own world. Whereas writing as an attorney, you're kind of limited to the facts that you have. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, uh, it, it took some, some getting used to, it also took some courses and workshops and things like that, just so that I could learn things like, you know, characterization and pacing and story structure. So yeah, it was good though. I enjoyed. And were you a fan of the of thriller and mystery genre as a reader before you started decided to write your own book? Oh yeah. I've always been a fan of mysteries um and and thrillers in particular, long before I ever kind of say, yeah, I could I could actually write one of these. You know, I I've just loved books all my life. Going to the library or you know, the bookstore on occasion just was kind of like my highlight. I was, you know, I was that kid who, you know, asked for books for Christmas <laughs> instead of toys. So. Yeah, I was the same way. Like my, my favorite gift was a, a Barnes and Noble's gift card. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. And so um, I'm kind of curious, too, because like I'll hear a little secret, so we'll get into that in a second here. But that's your debut novel. So I'm just kind of curious, how is how is it going? Has the book launch, has it been what you expected? Is it really different from you expected? Oh, gosh, it's uh, it has far exceeded anything that I uh, I ever could have expected. I kind of didn't know what to expect. And so, I, you know, I asked my friends and they were all kind of like, soak it in, soak it in. And it's not until you're actually in the midst of it that, you know, you you actually put, you know, ideas and thoughts and things that you've worked on in solitary out into the world. So yeah, it has been really exciting, uh, really fun, really scary, um, just amazingly surreal. And so can you tell us a little bit about All Her uh, Little Secrets? What's it about, about the characters? Sure. So All Her Little Secrets is kind of the short synopsis. It's the story of a Black female lawyer who gets caught in a dangerous conspiracy after the death of her boss. Elise Littlejohn is the protagonist, and she seemingly has everything going for her. She's got this well-paying job in midtown Atlanta. She's got these great friends. But everything takes a turn. One morning in January, she goes to the office for a meeting with her boss. And this is not a spoiler because it's like on page two. Um, But said boss is also uh, someone she's been having an affair with. She finds him dead. And she does what many people would consider the unthinkable. She actually walks away without calling the authorities. And the reason she does that is because she has uh, a dark trunk of secrets that she's been keeping from everyone, including a small town past and a younger brother who spent some time on the other side of the law. Soon after the death, she is promoted to replace her boss in the executive suite. And it's there that she uncovers um, some shady dealings going on in the company. As she starts to dig into what is going on, all those secrets that she's held close to the vest start to bubble to the surface. And soon she is caught in this quagmire of trying to protect the brother that she tried to save years ago and stop 
a really sinister conspiracy. Yeah, and you tackle some big issues in in the in your novel: uh, racism, sexism, uh, all these problems that we're having in America, or we've been having for forever, but <laughs> that mm-hmm. come to head the last couple of years. Can you tell us about the like the importance? Was it important to you to incorporate these themes in, into your novel? And I'm kind of curious too about how you balance it. You know, because those are pretty big themes, obviously. And then, but you need you're, you're also writing an entertaining novel. How how that all was it tough to balance all that? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um... I didn't set out specifically to say, yes, I'm going to cover, you know, X, Y, and Z issues. What I set out to do was to write the story of one Black female in America. And as a result, you get all these really tough issues because being Black and female in this country is still very, very difficult. Um, despite whatever progress we've made, I still feel like Black women, uh, women in particular, are still the most, you know, maligned and disrespected people on the earth. And so when I set out to write this book, I wanted to write her story and everything that is encapsulated in living and working as a Black female in this country. As a result, you get issues like sex discrimination and racism and, um, you know, all the other isms of of being black and brown in this country. With your law background, did did that help shape the story? And are the, are the characters based on any real people? Is part of you in, in these characters? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I once read somewhere where uh, someone said, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, every author mm-hmm. in their book. And um, that's I, I think that's certainly true. Um, there are some um, some issues um, that I tackle in the book that um, come out of my lived experience. You know, for example, being racially profiled in a store, um, you know, being maligned or, you know, um, impeded obstacles put in my way. Um sitting in in corporate conference rooms. But, you know, I think my my law degree certainly, um, it it certainly did contribute to the story in the respect that I wanted to, um, I wanted to be intentional about um, the difficulties that this particular character faced. And so it, my law degree and my law background informed the book because I wanted to set up um, a really tough situation for Elise where she would be caught between um, this dilemma uh, of her ethical duties as a lawyer and also her moral duty to her brother and her family. Um, you know, as I've said before, despite the body count in this book, it really <laughs> is a book about family and love and loss and resilience. Was intentional about her being an attorney in the book because I wanted to put her in this really tough dilemma. And, and what would she do when faced with these, you know, opposing um, obstacles? 
Yeah, it seems like Atlanta has a pretty big uh, role in the in the novels. That you always talk about the, the you always hear about the old South and the new South. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Especially you know uh, out here on the West Coast, uh, it's always fascinating when I hear those those terms. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Atlanta, how it ro- the role it features in your in your in your book. Well, sure. Um, to me, Atlanta has always been a city of dichotomies. This city was once the military. Uh, you know, operation center of the Civil War. Uh, it is also a city that um, served as the cradle and the the birth, so to speak, of the civil rights movement. So you had these two kind of opposing um, hallmarks in the city. You can you can drive down you know a street and see Confederate soldier statues right down the street from the, you know, historic Ebenezer Baptist Church where Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King preached. Um, There are Confederate soldiers carved into the side of a mountain, Stone Mountain, here in Atlanta, which is, you know, down the road from the John Lewis Parkway. So you have these kind of um, competing hallmarks of the city. And I thought, gosh, this would be the perfect setting um, for a woman who is faced and tasked with, um, you know, racially charged issues in, in the book. And while black and brown people aren't sitting in the backs of buses anymore and we don't have to go to the back of a restaurant to be served, I still think that we have some ways to go in in this city and in this country. As a matter of fact, I, I think that there's still economic disparity that um, contributes to a lot of oppression and uh, the rigors and challenges of trying to live as a Black person in this country. Um, in corporate boardrooms, across the country, there's still a, um, a sore dearth of, of of Black and Brown people in executive management. I read in a Fortune magazine earlier this spring that something like 3% of um, the executives in Fortune 500 companies are Black. And I just think, wow, that's that's sad for all of us, because when you have a homogeneous-looking uh, boardroom where you know initiatives and company is driven from the top down. You kind of get that same thinking, and um, and I think that that's unfortunate for everyone. The, the company is is done a disservice as well as the people um, who work and um, and consume goods through those companies. Yeah, I was reading when I was doing my research on your on your background that uh, you're a strong advocate for empowering women in in, in communities of color. Uh, and I read it, and I read that in your novel that it's, a, it's sort of like a continuation of that advocacy. I know you might not have started it that way, but can you talk a little bit about that? How how fiction, how a thriller novel can help uh, in that, especially for people who are writing and maybe can think of of doing something like that. Yeah, well, I hope that after reading this book. Um, you know, people come away from it and say, wow, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Or, you know, Wanda Morris gave me food for thought about, you know, how I interact or, you know, what am I doing to be, you know, an ally? Um, 
to to people of color. And so my thought is, you know, similarly that, you know, uh, not just, you know, people of color, but women too. Um, there are moments in this book where nearly all the women uh, in the book are on some sort of journey. And my hope is that, you know, people kind of stop and think, oh, you know, am I contributing to the problem or, you know, am I, am I helping? And um, so, yeah, I, I, I like to think that those issues that I tackle in this book um, are things that people see in real life and that they can now say, you know what, I've got a different thinking about this or there's a, another approach I can take. You know, it's in the book, Elise, Little John faces like an ins- almost insurmountable amount of, you know, not only tragedy, but just kind of microaggressions, just those little bitty things that occur on a day-to-day basis that, you know, you stop and think, oh, some offhand remark that somebody makes thinking I'm being funny, I'm being clever, is something that could be um, offensive. And so in tackling these issues through fiction, my hope is that I'm also tackling them in real life by helping to change behavior. Yeah, I think that was great too, because like you said, you're dealing with these issues, but you you, you turn out a, a action-packed page-turning thriller. So it's kind of neat how you like blended those two worlds uh, and still in, in a thriller. I think that's a, that's a really, really cool uh, outcome for, for, for you on your novel. Um, so I'm kind of curious too now. So how do you come up with, I know this is, this is the cliche question, but I have to ask it. How do you come up with your ideas for your for your books? Like, how was the process? Wow. Well, with this one, um, i i worked I, I worked for companies where um, they didn't treat women and um, black and brown people and disabled people very good, whether it was um, pay equity or in resources, um, promotional opportunities, what have you. And and that stuck with me. And then I also worked with, uh, I worked for a company that um, they called everyone family, like executive management called all the employees family and wanted everyone to consider themselves part of the blip company family. And um, someone in my department died um, unexpectedly. There was nothing sinister about the death. The person just died. But I was mortified by how quickly everybody went back to normal after the person's death. Um, You know, the office was cleaned and, you know, the name was removed. And, you know, two days later, Nobody was talking about the person. Nobody. It was as if the person had never uh, existed in that in that office. And that just like I said, it just mortified me and it stuck with me because I I thought, gosh, if if we consider ourselves family, shouldn't we be doing something more? Should we not be reaching out? Should 
there should be something more that we could do. Um, so that served as the genesis of this theme of family that runs through the book, you know, who we call family and why we call them family. And I, I tried to explore that, you know, both from a corporate setting, you know, whose family, as well as a personal setting, um, who who is Elisa's family? Um, and it, it it isn't always, you know, via biological ties either. I'm kind of curious about your writing process. Uh, do you outline your novels or do you write by the seat of your pants? <laughs> oh, gosh, no, I, I couldn't write by the seat of my pants. I tend <laughs> to outline. And I, I think I do that primarily just so that I have a roadmap. And, and when we're talking outlines, I'm talking very loose outlines. We're talking just a, a few pages and nothing like you know, I, I once heard Jeffrey Deaver writes like 250 page outlines and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're talking a, a very loose outline so that I kind of know the the big scenes um, and the big turning points in the book. And then I, I start to write. Um, I don't always know how the book will end. As a matter of fact, I never know how the book Will end and and I like that feeling of writing to the unknown. Um, so you know, even with this book, I was like writing right along with you know <laughs> Elise's. You know, she's running and I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, girl, where are you going? <laughs> it's <laughs> like I was running with her um, on the keyboard. So um, I I do that and and certainly I'm not you know, hard and fast to the outline that I said, if the characters take me off in a, in a different direction, I kind of, I go with that. Um, one of the characters in the book uh, was um, a, a gentleman by the name of Juice. He's a, a friend of Elise's brother. And he was supposed to be just like a, you know, minor character in one scene. And after I wrote him in that scene, I thought, gosh, I really like this character a lot. Um, I'd like to see him in other scenes. And so, you know, that veered from the outline that that I originally set for myself. But that was good because, you know, I've heard from early readers who told me, you know, oh, my gosh, he's one of my favorite characters. So. So that's a good thing. And I was wondering, how does your writing day look like, especially if you're, if you're balancing it with uh, with your legal career, like when you're writing this, uh, do you like do you try to set specific times you're going to write? Or do you have like word count goals? Well, I definitely work better in the mornings because my brain just feels fresher. Um, so, um, in, for example, when I was writing um, All Her Little Secrets, um, I would get up early before I had to get, you know, my son up to get him ready for school. I would write in airports um, if I were traveling. If I weren't traveling and I was, you know, working here from the office, this was in the before times, um, I would um, go to the library that was right around the corner from my job. And I would sit in the library every day um, for an hour to an hour and a half, and I would write. Um, so I, I, it was difficult, but I, I found the time once I committed to the book, um, because I, I'd started this book 13 years ago. 
And then I put it away because I convinced myself it wasn't very good. People wouldn't want to read it. And so I put the book away for seven years. And um, then six years ago, I picked it back up and, and I committed to finishing it. I was going to finish it. And, and once I started to get into it, you know, I love the characters because the first draft was really bad. It was it was really bad, bad, bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love the characters. I, I have always loved the characters. And so I committed to finishing it. And then once I got into it, you know, I was writing, like I said, I was finding, you know, various snatches of time to do it. And the more I wrote, the more I loved the characters. And so then I was like, you know, maybe I could actually get this thing published. Now, it, it took another six of years. Course, but... yeah. All the rejections. <laughs> right? and... Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, I could paper, you know, <laughs> this wall behind me with all the rejections. Um, it was just it was just crazy. But. I didn't give up because, like I said, I was just in love with these characters. I I loved Vera. I loved Elise. I loved her brother, Sam, all of them. I just I, I just said there's something here. And uh, and so I kept going. And, and that's you know, that's probably my one piece of advice for every writer out there. You know, when you start to doubt yourself just keep going. Just just see where the next day's writing journey takes you because you never know how close you are. You just never know. Yeah, that's amazing because you said you started writing this 13 years ago. And now it's mm-hmm. published by one of the HarperCollins, William Morrow, one of the big ones, uh, publishing companies out there. So yeah, it's just a, that's a really cool uh, a trajectory that, that you've gone through. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and I'm a cover geek. I love the cover for all her little secrets. So, uh, were you? How, how were you when you first saw that? What the? the did he, can I explain that process for you? Because that's a really cool cover. Thank you. I love that cover too. Oh my gosh, I um, my publisher, you know, asked me, well, what kinds of things do you want to see on the cover? And um, the one thing that I was certain I wanted to see is I wanted to see a black woman on the cover. I, I thought that the book is so intertwined with the black female experience that I wanted definitely a black woman on the cover. I um, and then I said I'd, I'd love to see uh, a cover that would represent um, kind of these. This, the duality in the story, so to speak, the, you know, the story is told in dual timelines. Um, and so um, I was, I was actually doing laundry and my phone buzzed and it was my agent. And she said, go check your email right now, like in all caps. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're canceling the book. <laughs> Of course, that's where you go, right? Right, your mind always takes you to the worst place. (laughs) So, you know, I ran to my computer and I pulled up, you know, my email and there sat that gorgeous cover. And I, I welled up to tell you the truth. I was just like, oh my gosh, I was just stunned by um, how much that cover so it's so striking and it captures everything um, that I think this book is about. 
Um, Ploy Serpent is the art director at HarperCollins, and she designed that cover. And she is a genius because that, like I said, that cover that cover covers that cover covers <laughs> <laughs> that cover depicts uh, everything that um, is truly uh, in that book. You know, the strong black female, um, the innocence of a child, and oh gosh, I just I love that cover too. I, I love 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 that cover. Yeah, it's a real, it'll really make people stop when they're perusing through Amazon in a, a million miles a second. <laughs> um, I was wondering too with the um, um, on uh, uh, whether this is a, a part of a planned series or is it a standalone? Right now, this is a standalone. I know that that's disappointing to some people. If readers <laughs> tell me, no. <laughs> got to tell me what happens with Elise after the story ends. And um, right now it is just um, a standalone. I do do really love those, those characters though. I, I could very well see revisiting them again, but at the present time, um, yeah, it's just a standalone. It's not a There's not a sequel in the works right now. And so what are you, what are you working uh, on now uh, writing wise? What's next for you? Um, So I'm working on another thriller. Um, This one um, is set in the Jim Crow South of Mississippi in 1964. And it is the story of two black sisters who become embroiled in the murder of a white man. Um, And Before the police can catch up to them, they take off running. One heads to the north purportedly for a better life away from the discrimination of the South. The other sister winds up in a small town in Georgia. But what the sisters don't realize is that there is a man from Jackson, Mississippi, where they've run from, who knows what happened and is hot on their trail and he's got some dark secrets of his own and a really dark motive to find them. Oh, that sounds good. And uh, was it, did you find that challenging writing a, a, a back in the, a, a novel set in the sixties versus a contemporary novel? Was there um, different challenges yeah, in that? Yeah, that one um, was a bit more challenging than uh, my first book, but it was also a lot of fun to do because I, you know, of course had to do all this, this research um, about, you know, 1964 Mississippi and 1964 um, Ohio, where one of the sisters uh, runs away to. And so that was really, uh, really interesting and, and getting to talk to people who, um, who would actually, um, been in some of those places at that time was just um was just fascinating um but yeah i i um i really have enjoyed writing that book because it um it it also in addition to this story of you know these two sisters on the run um it also um encapsulates like a lot of what was going on during that period where, excuse me, this country was, you know, right at the cusp of the civil rights movement and, um, 
you know, the dismantling of Jim Crow laws um, in the South. And so that that was just um, fascinating to research and write about. And so uh, before I let you go on, I always like to ask my guests, because I have aspiring writers that listen to this, any, uh, you already gave us some, some good advice, but any uh, advice for aspiring thriller mystery writers that are listening? Oh, gosh, yeah. So in addition to, you know, persevering, as I mentioned earlier, the one other thing I would strongly advise is to build yourself a community of support, because writing and getting published is just fraught with all sorts of rejection. I mean, it's it's a rare writer that just sits down, bangs out a story, and goes right to publication. <laughs> um, there is a lot of rejection. And one of the things that helped me was finding like-minded people, other writers who were also on their journey, whether they were ahead of me on that journey or coming alongside of me, but find people who um, are also writing and are also, um, uh, you know, driving towards the same goals that you do so that they lift you up and, and you keep each other lifted in support because it's tough when you, I remember one day I got like four rejections all in one day, like all in the span of two hours, actually. And I got to tell you, that that would hurt. That's tough. (laughs) That was tough. Like every email I opened was like, oh, unfortunately. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just don't want to open another email. (laughs) But it helps when you have friends and and support along the way that, that keep you lifted and keep you going. And I from your and your website that you're a member of Sisters in Crime. Uh, I hear a lot of good things about that organization from other guests. Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful organization. Um, tons of resources. Uh, I have a lot of friends there, um, and it's just been a really really good um, support system. They have chapters um, all across the country. Um, or if there's not one in your city, uh, there locally, you could certainly join um, uh, as a general member um, through the national website, um, sistersincrime.org, I believe it is. I'm also a member of Mystery Writers of America and Crime Writers of Color, all great support um, support systems. I, I hate your, your, your writers who are listening to, to join these communities. Um, because you you can't even pay back all the the wealth that you get from them. It's it's amazing. Yeah, that way you you, you know that you're not alone with the mm-hmm. imposter syndrome and all that stuff that <laughs> we go as as writers. Right. Um, and and so, what's the best place for the listeners to find you? I'm assuming it's your website. Sure, it's WandaMorrisWrites.com, um, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. So uh, look for me on, on all those social media channels as well. Wanda, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Really enjoyed uh, chatting with you about your novels and uh, about all her little secrets. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. 
As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, show. If you have done that already, I thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more, uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links. All my links will be uh, on that uh, page. So that's it for this episode. Uh, See you next time and stay safe out there.